It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Gentle Thief, written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Episode 8. In Episode 7, we saw Maddie leave her husband. He wasn't surprised. We saw her tell her mother that she had gotten divorced, and her mother was shocked and judgmental. Maddie develops a relationship with Khan, and it is her undoing. She did not know what kind of person he was when she was drawn to him that day at the Shakespearean Festival. After a particularly difficult afternoon, when she learns that he has a daughter who he has ignored, she reaches up her arms to the heavens and asks God for help. And now, episode eight of A Gentle Thief. was cancer. Fast moving, stage four. So profound and large now that to cut him out would have taken too much of her marrow. So rather than run as far away from him as she could, Maddie jumped headlong into him like an abyss. Then one night over takeout from La Fiesta a week before the holiday, Khan said, my Christmas party is Friday night. Are you going to come with me or are we still incognito? He did the quotation gesture with his fingers when he said the word incognito. Every silence interrupted by Khan's boasting voice made her stomach tighten. She hadn't known if his work was having a Christmas party. She wondered, but hadn't dared to ask. Their not being seen together in public so soon after the divorce had been her idea. She did it out of respect for Robert. She knew people would wonder, no matter what, that they would blame her and doubt her, which she probably deserved. This was the way of a small town. But in her heart, she wanted to give Robert something, if only the token of not holding Con's hand in public. I'd love to come, she said. She had wanted to meet his friends from the radio station since they first met. Cable held such mystery for her. Every day, Khan went on the air in front of the whole world from that strange pink house outside town, a structure everyone in Cedar City made fun of, except for her. She had learned early on that he didn't take kindly to any negative references, even in jest, about the radio station. Oh, come on, Khan. It's the strangest color of a house anyone has ever seen, let alone a business. Haven't you seen the tourists who stopped to have their picture taken in front of it? Who used to own the house anyway? Someone who grew up in Munchkinland? I don't interest myself with details that don't affect my life, he dismissed her. I'm not making fun of you, just the color of the building. Why doesn't the owner repaint it? I know things are tight around there, but paint doesn't cost that much, and the whole thing is only the size of a tough shed. She was still giggling when he replied. 
At least I don't play dress up with 10 year olds and pretend their brains can actually comprehend the subtlety of Shakespeare. For the first time, one of his digs seemed funny to her. What's subtle about a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse? Khan grabbed his car keys and headed for the door. She wasn't aware that he was going anywhere that evening. Just because you don't understand Shakespeare doesn't mean it's subtle, she punched, knowing full well she was going too far. I understand this, he let out a controlled whisper. This is me leaving. I'm going out to see if I can find a woman who is interested in actually having sex and not just reading about it. Through her rising fear, she still felt defiant. Oh, now that's subtle, she called after him with more sarcasm than she knew she was capable of. The Friday of Khan's Christmas party, Maddie planned to come straight home from school. As she was leaving the building, she told Eduardo, one of her favorite students who was struggling with something she couldn't put her finger on that year, that they would go over his homework Monday right after school. She knew Eduardo just liked being with her, feeling the warmth of her attention, and she knew that his parents would likely not be home when he got there. She ached to have to put him off, but she just had too much to do before that night. Forcing a smile, she said, Monday, Eduardo, it's just two days away. Three, he corrected her. We'll take all the time you need then. She walked out to her car and watched him start down the street in the opposite direction, wondering if he even had a key to get into the house when he got there. Maddie hurried through her errands. She stopped at Lynn's to get chips and cheddar cheese and salsa in case she and Con came back to her house after the party and wanted a snack. Then she ran into the post office to mail a package to her mom and next picked up her dress at the dry cleaners. She rushed home after checking everything off her list and decided she had just enough time for a run before she had to get in the shower. She was glad for it, too. She needed to get the anxiousness out of her system before the party or she'd be too shaky and fidgeting to talk to anyone. Maddie laced up her sneakers and headed out the door, walking for the first 50 to 100 yards, as she always did to warm up. When she saw her neighbor pulling into his driveway, she waved. Hey there, Junior said as he grabbed some grocery sacks from the bed of his truck. Doesn't any weather keep you inside? Nope, Maddie answered proudly. How are you doing? he asked seeming to want an answer that would require her to stop and talk, which she wasn't prepared to do. Great, she lied, hoping he would accept that, for now. Good, he nodded. That's, that's good. And he turned to head up the porch into his home. Maddie liked Junior, genuinely liked him. It was a strange feeling for her to like a man without any sense that they would be a couple someday. She felt that his kindness to her was sincere, too, not just politeness to his landlord, nor the surface flirtation of a guy who had an agenda. She couldn't think of any agenda Junior had, except to do good work on the homes he was helping to build and to enjoy his life. Maddie wondered how someone so simple and beautiful could exist. When she got home from a long but unsatisfying run, Maddie felt only a hint of that sweet spent feeling she craved. She should have stayed to help Eduardo. Why didn't she skip the run and spend 30 minutes with him? Stretching and feeling the anxiousness still plaguing her breathing, she tried to shake it off. She couldn't spend every afternoon with Eduardo. She had 27 other students to look after. 
Maddie turned the faucet in the bathtub on hotter than usual and glanced at the black sweater dress she had hung on the back of the closet door, still in its dry-cleaning bag. She opened her jewelry box and thought about whether to add a necklace to the outfit, then decided against it. She wasn't much for jewelry. Maddie, are you home? Con called from the living room as she heard the door close and his keys hit the counter. She had the thought that she shouldn't be so nonchalant about leaving her house unlocked. I'm in the bathtub, she called out to him, sitting up and making sure the bubbles covered her in case he came walking right in. She listened hard, frozen in the tub, and heard him walk toward the bedroom, then stop outside the bathroom. He hesitated a moment, then said through the door, Look, Maddie, I found out at work today that the company thing at Brian Head tonight is for employees only. I'm sorry. I, I hope you weren't looking forward to it too much. Then he added, It'll probably be a drag anyway. He started to walk toward the kitchen, then called back. Are you going to be in there long? Because I sort of need something to eat to tie me over. Maddie felt a determination well up inside her as she held the hairdryer too long in one spot and felt her scalp start to itch with the heat. Her eyes narrowed in the bathroom mirror. It was a look that reminded her of Angie Dickinson in Policewoman. She would find out tonight, right now, who this man really was. No more of this insanity. She grabbed her purse and slammed the front door closed on her way out, jumped in her SUV and started down the lane, then jerked to a stop in front of Junior's house. She paused and shut off the SUV. Without knowing why exactly, she ran up to his front door and knocked. She could hear people talking and laughing inside. Beth, Junior's girlfriend, answered the door. Hey, she said coldly. Is Junior home? Maddie asked, her tone betraying that she knew this wasn't such a good idea. For you, sure. Beth cocked her head, turned and headed back to the living room, dropping down on the couch next to two guys Maddie didn't know. They both eyed her as she walked in the room. Beth didn't introduce them, and they didn't offer anything. Maddie started to open her mouth just as Junior came out of the kitchen. Hey, Maddie, what's going on? Junior asked. Can I talk to you a second? She pleaded. Her face felt hot like her fifth graders when she called for homework assignments that weren't done. Maddie suddenly felt too timid for the task ahead of her. Sure, come on back to the kitchen. She followed him around the dining room table and into the small kitchen at the back of the house. She was surprised at how neat it was, and more surprised that Junior appeared to be cooking. Oh, you're busy she said, and started to change her mind. No, I'm just making snacks. What's up? I need you to drive me to Brian Head, she blurted out before she lost her nerve. Okay, he said, just like that. Should I ask why? Khan said his company party was for employees only, and I know he's lying, and I want to catch him in the lie and prove to myself that he is what I think he is. Which is what? A scum-sucking pig, and she drew a sharp breath, trying to hold back tears. Junior walked over to her and put his arms around her. He smelled like olive oil with a hint of soap, like a kind version of Con. Well, I knew that the moment I saw him, but if you need to prove it to yourself, then let's go. Junior turned off the stove, grabbed his Levi jacket off the coat rack by the back door, and started through the dining room. Maddie followed. Hey, Beth, I've got to go out and run an errand with Maddie. The peppers are almost done. Help yourself, and I'll be back in a flash. Wait a minute, 
Beth didn't get up, but she sat forward and put her hand on her leg with emphasis. You're leaving? We invited Ken and Joey over, and now you're just leaving? She started to look even more unpleasant than usual. I won't be gone long. You won't even notice, he said with a tolerance that impressed Maddie and then ushered her out the front door. They got in his truck. She didn't question the decision to let him drive. She left her Land Cruiser parked awkwardly out front, and they started the drive up the canyon toward the Brian Head Ski Resort. Junior didn't ask her anything, and she didn't offer, at first. I know you don't like him, she said quietly. What I really don't like is how he treats you. Did you like Robert? Maddie asked out of nowhere. Sure, he was all right. Reminded me of my grandfather, he teased. She smiled. I miss him a little, Maddie admitted. They drove in silence until they reached the ski resort. Not sure which building the party would be in, they looked for the most crowded parking lot. They saw a lot of lights and cars near one of the lodges. That must be it. They pulled up to the front door. Do you want me to come in with you? Junior asked. No. I need to do this myself. Would you just wait for me here? Her voice was timid. Sure, he said, then added, No matter what you see in there, it's going to be okay. Maddie smiled and got out of the truck. She walked nervously down the stone entrance and pulled open the huge wooden doors of the lodge. Looking around, she saw a sign that read, Cable, KBRZ, and KBRO Party, Powder Room. There was an arrow pointing to the left. She could hear the sound of the party before she turned the corner and saw a doorway opening up into a small banquet room. It was darker in the banquet room than it was in the hall, so it was hard to make anyone out at first. She felt like a spotlight was on her as she stood in the illuminated entrance peering into the smoky room. She could see tables with people sprinkled around them, some standing and talking near a bar. And then she heard, Hey, Maddie. It was Don Tetzel. Don taught science and math at her school. She had forgotten that Don's wife worked for a radio station. Hi, hi Don, she replied nervously. What are you doing here? Don asked, bewildered. I was just looking for... And then she saw him. He was standing to the right of the dance floor with his arm around a blonde woman who was wearing a tight, silky red dress. Maddie stopped talking to Don, didn't think to excuse herself, and walked slowly and purposefully toward the center of the room. Con looked up and saw her just as she was about to reach him. Con's lie was so obvious. Everyone at the party was there with a partner, including Don Tetzel including Khan. He was here with some blonde woman. Khan whispered something in the blonde's ear, then turned toward Maddie to cut her off while the blonde disappeared into the crowd. Touching Maddie's elbow to walk her back out toward the hallway, Khan asked with a tight smile, What are you doing here? Catching you in a lie? The words came out like red pepper flakes. Maddie, it's not what you're thinking. She's just somebody I don't even think about it. This time it was more like jiggers of Tabasco. I just couldn't have you come tonight, okay? I'll explain everything when I see you later. You're not going to see me later. Calmer now. She was feeling her stride. Look, don't get all trippy on me. It's just a party, okay? I don't feel comfortable bringing you with me, and I knew you'd get this way if I told you so. You invited me, Con. Remember that? Surely it couldn't have slipped your mind in a week. Yeah, well, when I thought about it some more, I realized it was probably not such a great idea. Besides, you're the one who said people wouldn't understand us being together so soon after you and your husband split up. Yeah, I remember that, 
Maddie's jaw was a rock. She trained her Angie Dickinson eyes on the blonde who had now positioned herself at the bar, drinking a beer and staring back at her and Con. Who is she, anyway? No, don't tell me. It doesn't matter. Maddie woke the next morning at 10 o'clock with more pain in her head than in her heart. What a relief that was, to be distracted by the throbbing in her head. She threw her robe around her and walked to the kitchen for Advil. She and Junior had sat up until 4 o'clock that morning, talking, eating nachos, and drinking nearly everything in her kitchen to wash down the hot salsa. Junior had driven her home after the scene at Brian Head, walked back down the lane and brought her SUV back to her, and listened to her go on and on about Con until the sky started to turn gray. Beth had called once around one, but they didn't answer the phone. Maddie swallowed soft mouthfuls of cold water, then opened her eyes slowly. She felt dizzy and hurt all over. She poured another glass of water and looked up. Con's jeep was in her driveway. She blinked. It definitely was his jeep. Walking over to the picture window, she could see him sitting in the front seat. He was awake and looking back at her. They stared at each other for a moment before he tentatively got out of the jeep and walked up the steps. She thought for a second that she wouldn't let him in. But when she opened the door to talk to him, the cold air hurt so much that she let him come straight in just so she could close the door. I think we should talk with someone, he said. Maybe a shrink or a counselor or someone can help us. No one can help us, Con, she said groggily, still feeling the effects of the sleeping pill. What was he talking about? A shrink couldn't make him be a good person. A shrink couldn't make him stop lying and saying cruel things. A shrink wouldn't make him want to hold her and love her the way she needed to be loved. You don't know that, he appealed. You don't know that if we don't try. Maddie remembered the counselor her father had sent her to when she was 13. Her father was confused about how to deal with Maddie, with her anger after her parents divorced. So he sent her to a counselor. At least that's why she thought he did it. You think a shrink can tell you why you hurt me? Maddie asked. Maddie, I've never hurt you, he said as if he was talking to someone else. You hurt yourself just like I hurt myself. And you think a shrink can tell us why we do that? She sounded like a child now. Maddie had several voices. A strong, determined voice, an intelligent voice, and a small child's voice. This was the little girl talking now. No one can make me stop hurting myself, she said, in a tone that was starting to sound far away. Khan stared at her, bewildered, his eyes looking like something from her dream last night. Okay, I'm too tired to argue with you, she conceded, coming back to the present moment. We'll go see someone, and we'll ask him to help us. And when he can't, we'll be right back here, having this same conversation again. Maddie sat down on the couch, still staring straight ahead and not looking at him. I've always wanted someone to get inside my head, mill around in there for a while, try to figure me out. He was starting to sound like himself again, his strength returning along with her weakness. 
The tentative tone of his voice was morphing back into the radio announcer. I think I'd be some kind of schmorkish board for a shrink. He didn't notice Maddie now, just the deliciousness of his own idea. I'll call someone. I'll call around tomorrow and find a psychologist or a counselor, he resolved. But it has to be a woman.' 